that Hannah's written the Torah twice. In Parshas Veschanan, when Moshe Rabbeinu was repeating to Jewish people all that had happened in the 40 years they were in the desert. And in uh, Parshas Yisra, when the, the Torah was saying for the first time how we um, arrived at Mount Sinai and we received the Torah. There are many differences between them, but uh, today we're going to focus on um, the first word with which Hashem began the Ten Commandments. The, the um, Ten Commandments are very generic, meaning they encompass all of Judaism. I know Americans think the Torah has only Ten Commandments. It, there are more, <laughs> but but they are right in saying that these are these are are very uh, generic principles. In America, a lot of things have happened. Like a lot, you go to some people's homes and look at their mezuzah, you find a lot of interesting things. Some people look at, open a mezuzah and you see an English translation of the Ten Commandments. Right. But uh, there there is. Um, there is something very generic about them. They include all the 613 commandments. In fact, Absad Yagoyen says that there are 620 letters in the Ten Commandments. The reason there are 620 letters is because there are 613 commandments in the Torah, and there are seven laws that were instituted by the tzaddikim. There are many things that the tzaddikim made that are not considered mitzvahs, but there are seven mitzvahs that the tzaddikim instituted. For example, mitzvah lighting the menorah, mitzvah hearing the megillah, mitzvah saying a bracha before eating, Mitzvah of um, Erev. Uh, so, so the uh, washing your hands in the morning is one of the, one of the mitzvahs that Tzadikim made. So, in the uh, marriage document that we have with Hashem, just like in a human marriage, it doesn't just have the uh, just there are, there are things which are, which are obvious and known and explicit in the in the in the, in the kasuba. Then there is a way a husband uh, is supposed to and a wife is supposed to sense their spouse and what who they are and what they need beyond what is officially written. So too, in the document that Hashem gave us, the Ten Commandments, there is not only 613 letters, but 620 letters, including all the mitzvahs of the Torah, including the mitzvahs that were instituted later by the Siddiq. So these Ten Commandments are very generic. They include a lot. In the Ten Commandments themselves, the first two commandments are, uh, are more generic. It, the word Torah in Hebrew is numerically equivalent to 611. Why 611? Because it says, Torah tzivalanu Moshe. Moshe commanded us the Torah. He only told us 611 commandments. The first two we heard from God. What happened was, first God spoke. And every time God spoke, we were overwhelmed and we passed away. And God had to resurrect us and to revive us to keep us back in, back in action. So after the first two commandments, uh, God told, told the Torah to Moshe. And Moshe repeated it to us. The first two we had to hear directly from God. That's why it says, Moshe commanded us the Torah he told us 611, the first two are more generic. They're more, and that's, what we, that's why we had to hear them from God directly, because they encompass all of Torah. The first commandment is to believe in God. The second commandment is not to have any other gods. Those two commandments include all the positive commandments and all the negative commandments, all positive and commandments. Every time you put on tefillin, give tzedakah, you say shema on your parents, you are affirming your belief in God. And every time you disavow and you reject anything that God tells us not to do, you are, you are also expressing the truth of the second commandment. Do not, do not have any other gods. Do not worship anything else. Do not give any power or credence to anything else besides, what God, besides God. So the first two commandments are even more generic, even more all-encompassing. The first commandment includes all the positive. The second commandment includes all the negative commandments. In those two themselves, the first commandment is even more. As the Talmud says that within the first commandment, there are all ten, 
And our, as the previous Rebbe said, that in the very first word of Ten Commandments, um, there, there is the first letter of the, of the first word of Ten Commandments, which is also the first thing that a child learns when he begins to learn the Aleph base. You tell a child, come, it's Aleph, ah. That's how you read the, 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 the first l- syllable, and the first um, of, of, the, of the four-letter word that God began Ten Commandments with, the word is Anoichi, I am the Lord your God. The words, I am the Lord your God, um, themselves have, the, the first sentence is, I am the Lord your God, take you out of Egypt. That's a generic commandment, that includes everything. But the first three words, I am the Lord your God, are even more inclusive. But in those three words themselves, the word I is, is really the, the core bond that Hashem gave us when he gave us the Torah, as the Talmud says, the word for I, the Torah uses here, is an acronym for the words, I, my soul, I wrote it and gave it. Anochi stands for, I wrote it and gave it. I gave you my soul. When it was giving us the Torah, God gave us his very soul, his very essence. So the previous chapter says that, that that's why it begins with the comments Alephah, because that's also when a child studies the Torah, you also have the essence of God. You begin to study Torah, doesn't matter, you're not, even though you're not up to understanding the intricate meaning of the Maram Shif and Baba Basra, you can't go into deeper uh, uh, parts of the ocean of the Talmud. You're saying, Kam you also have the essence of God. Here's what there's a wondrous Medrash about this. The Medrash says that in the word Anochi, that word is not a Jewish word, it's an Egyptian word. And the question is, why is there an Egyptian word for the holiest word of the Torah? Even in the three words that God says, I am the Lord your God, in those three words themselves, Anochi represents a higher level of holiness. The word Elokecha, which means your God, that refers to how Hashem's life is filtered and contracted to become your, to animate you, to be your personal God, to give you your, your energy. Then there is the name of Hashem, Yudke Yavalke, the name of Hashem, which the Zohar says is above time. The word Yudke Yavalke has in the three words, past, present, and future. So the name Yudkevavke expresses how God is beyond time, how God is infinite, how God is transcendent. Anoichi, I refers not to God's light, the way it's contracted to be animate each of us individually, personally, not the way God's light is transcendent and just above time, but Anoichi refers to God's essence. And as the Zohar says these words, Anoichi, the that's not a holy name of Hashem. It's not, you ought to say it. I just said it many times. I'm not. Uh, I'm allowed to do that because it's not considered a holy name of Hashem. It's not considered holy. There are seven names, seven names of God that are not allowed to be erased. Once you write them down, you're not allowed to erase them. You want to say them for purpose of prayer or purpose of study. Uh, but Anoich is not one of them. Anoich is not considered a holy name. Anoich is considered something which is beyond all names. There are the names of God, which express certain uh, parts of, of um, so to speak, the, the Medrash says this. The Medrash says, God, God says, I have many names. Why do I have many names? Because according to my deeds, I am called. When I do this, that's my name. In other words, the name of Hashem expresses uh, different, each name of Hashem expresses something else. There's a way God judges the world. There's a way God extends benevolence to every creature. There's a way God is omnipotent. They're all different facets of Hashem's truth as Hashem relates to us. As in the language of the Medrash, according to my deeds, I am called. The, 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 just like by a human being, the purpose of a name is to relate to others. Um, so to God's names, 
they express the way Hashem relates to us. The way when Hashem expresses His sovereignty, there's one name, the Alf Mun Yud, God expresses His miracles, the name is Yukivavke. God's mercy, Alf uh, Lamed, or God's justice, Al Kim. So each name of Hashem expresses something else. But then there is the way Hashem is beyond all names. And that is the word Anoichi. Anoichi, I, the Egyptian word Anoichi, that expresses God's justice. The question is, why does that word, why is there an Egyptian word, specifically, that we're using to express God's essence? Of all, of all um, if there's any word that, that's, that, that expresses something holier, there, there, there's, this, is, this is the place to like put in something holy. But this is specifically an Egyptian word. And the question is, why an Egyptian word? Specifically, the word holy to describe this word—that this is the holiest word. The word the Zohar uses a name that does a a, a, a a I who am I, my essence, who cannot be contained in any letter, or even the tip of a letter. It, in letters themselves, there are the letters, and then there is the crowns in the letters. Right. So I who am I went beyond the letters and beyond even the the, the crowns of the letters. Right. So it says in, in the um, in the Talmud that when um, the angels were complaining to God about God's attention to to you, to Adam. Why is God so into Adam? Mm-hmm. They said to God, why is he so into man? Man is, what's the big deal? What does a guy have? So God told the angels, I'll show you how smart he is. Come, come with me. And God goes over to Adam. He says, Adam points to each creature, each animal, and asks Adam to name the animal. So Adam says, points to an ox, he says, ox, that's Sure. All angels are like, wow. And Adam says to another the donkey, he says, that's a chamer. In Hebrew, chamer is a donkey. Chamer, all the angels are like, whoa, amazing. The question is, what's the big deal? The answer is, is that the Hebrew language is different than all their languages. All their languages, the reason we use the word cup for this and the word uh, hat for this is, is, is just we agree to it. Nothing... Our lives would go on perfectly if this would be a hat and that would be a cup. Nothing would happen. It's just we all agree to uh, to use certain words to describe different things so that we'll have a language together. That that's all other languages. All other languages, first there is the thing, and once there is the thing, um, uh, then there is a word that's used to describe the thing. So they, we agree to use this word to describe the thing. Hebrew is unique in that Hashem didn't make the things yet. So Hashem used his letters of his of his alphabet of, of the holy twenty two letters of alphabet to create every creature in the world. So with the twenty two letters of the alphabet, Hashem made the world. So it's not that Hashem um, said, "Let there be light," and light came to be. Rather, the word "light," that word "alavav reish," that is the spiritual DNA. That is the deepest and the starting point of each creature. The reason there is a donkey is because there's first the name of the donkey. God used the letters, the alphabet, to create every creature. So if we were to dissect, go to a Hasidic laboratory to not only look at the molecules and uh, and atoms of each creature, but we were to go in th- deeper and to look, to look into the spiritual energy of everything, we would discover that you are Aleph Dal Mem. That's your name. And Baal Shem Tov says your name expresses your essence. That's what you could see in a person's character. Um, I, I, we can see the Gemara says about the mayor. The mayor would be able to see in people's character their uh, their name through their character. That's not something that that, that uh, everyone can, but uh, sometimes it's obvious. Um, uh, so, 
I was thinking about someone who, who, who just passed away yesterday who her name expresses who she, who she is, Ziba Feruzan, Rivka Feruzan, unbelievable person. Her name, Rivka, expresses kindness, and that, that's who she, she, who she was. Anyways, I don't want to kind of talk to you about, about her for, for days and days, but uh, let's go back to the class. Let's dedicate our learning for her, for her, for her Neshama. Anyways, so, so um, in Hebrew, there must be, that's what the angels were so, so, so impressed. The angels were so impressed because uh, they saw that Adam could see the inner workings of each creature. It wasn't just he happened, oh, Hamer. Anyone could give any name to any. What was impressive was that Adam didn't give the name. Adam could see, he had such wisdom, he could see the inner energy of each creature. That's why the angels were so, were so, wow, what an amazing guy. But there's one word that doesn't exist in Hebrew. The word for erva, the word for um, the, the bris in Hebrew, the, there's no word in Hebrew to describe that organ. Every, uh, everything has a name, everything has a divine source, and yet that limb does not have a name in Hebrew. The question is, how does it exist? How does it exist? Doesn't have a name. If in order for everything to exist, it has to have a first have a name, and the name is, is it's godly energy. So the Rambam says, why do we call Hebrew the holy language? What makes it holy? The Rambam says, you know, it's holy. The holy language, it's holy because it doesn't have a name for the erva. Doesn't have a name for that. So the question is, how is it, does it exist? And the answer is, is that the way things are in Hebrew are different than the way they are in. In, um, in other languages. I'll, I'll explain what I mean. When God made the world, it was Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve ate from the tree. And once they ate from the tree, the Torah says they knew that they were naked. That means before they didn't know they were naked, now they knew they were naked. Of course, they knew they weren't wearing clothing, but they didn't know there's anything to be embarrassed about not, not wearing clothing. Because for them, their physical intimacy, for them was a mitzvah like putting on film. The mitzvah on film, the mitzvah physically intimate. There was no, there was nothing to be embarrassed about. There was no sense of, of, of desire and pleasure. There was just a sense of a mitzvah. God has a commandment. There was no sense of of, um, of doing something that they should be embarrassed about. So that's the meaning of what we say in Hebrew. So, so what happened through the sin? Through the sin, they, how could it be through the sin they discover something? Through the sin, they know something they didn't know before. It's not that they knew something that they didn't know before. This sin tainted their experience, so now they, they felt there's something to be embarrassed about. Now they, now they, they, they didn't just feel, oh, this is a mitzvah like put on film. Now they felt self-conscious about it because they, they, there was another layer of the experience they didn't have before. So it's not that there is no description of, of erva in Hebrew. It's more that in Hebrew it's not considered erva. And the way things are in Hebrew, things are holy. Later they could descend and they could, through the sin of the tree of knowledge, there could be a descent and creation, other things could emerge. But the way things are in Hebrew, the, everything is holy. So, in, um, that's the Hebrew language, the holy language where there is no word to describe that, uh, uh, describe the erva. In fact, in Hebrew, it's, there is no erva. The erva is, this, is something which, which descends later through the sin of the tree of knowledge. Okay. In other languages, which have words for erva, which have words for all kinds of things, um, which which aren't in the holy language, um, there are languages that are better than others. The lowest of all languages is Egyptian. Egypt, the Torah says about Egyptian about the country of Egypt that it's called Ervas Haaretz. It's called the abomination of the earth. It's called the most immoral place in the world. So the uh, so question that again that was reinforced. So why is it 
that when we want to use a word for the beginning of the Ten Commandments, the all-inclusive word, the essence of Torah, the essence of God, why are we using an Egyptian word? The answer is like this. When Moses ascended to Mount Sinai, he got the Torah. The angels again complained to God, this is your treasure, this is your precious gift. You're going to give it to a human being? Are you crazy? Why, why, why are you giving this to a human being? So God asked Moses to respond to them. So Moses responded to the angels. Hey, it says in the Torah, I'm Lord your God, take you out of Egypt. Have you ever been to Egypt? Why is this for you? It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't say, um, it says in the Torah, on your father and mother. You have a father and mother. It says in the Torah, do not swear falsely. Are you among people that you have business transactions that you have need to swear? It says in the Torah, it says in the Torah, um, do not have any other gods. You, you live among nations that have to worship other gods. Why should she get the Torah? Moshe proved to them that the whole Torah is not relevant to them. Okay. But the question is like this. The angels didn't really want the physical Torah in the first place. They didn't want the physical Torah. The angels are spiritual beings. And the angels only wanted the spiritual dimension of Torah. They didn't want the physical part of Torah. They, just wanted, they wanted the spiritual dimension of Torah. They didn't want the, the, the physical part didn't interest them. That's why um, on Friday night... As soon as we greet the angels, we send them away. Why do we send them away? The, the previous Rebbe said one reason we send them away is because they, they're not going to eat. And so it's not, it's not polite that we're going to eat in front of the angels, we're not going to eat. The other reason he says is because the angels um, are very busy, they're always serving God. They always have something to do. So therefore, they actually spend a long, long time with us, like listening to the whole song and everything. But then we tell them to leave. Then, then it's time for them to go. So they're not physical. So they, so, so, so they didn't want the physical Torah. They wanted the spiritual Torah. So what is, what is Moshe answering them and telling them you've never been to Egypt? What, 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 is, what is he saying to them? What he's saying to them is like this. Every, um, every light of Hashem, every light that is in the spiritual cosmos, which, which God created the world through a system of stalshlus, which each um, level draws from the level above it. And there are, there, there are many steps, an infinite amount, infinite amount of steps from God's infinite light to produce this physical world. So each of these lights have a limitation. They have a light to have how far they can go. When we were in Egypt, it wasn't possible to bring us out of Egypt with any of these lights, any, any of the lights of God, no matter how great and how transcendent and how amazing they were, they didn't have the power, the God's con- contracted light didn't have the power to bring us out of Egypt. That's why in Haggadah we say, uh, Hashem tells us, I took you out of Egypt, I am not an angel, I am not a more sophisticated angel, an angel called a seraph, I am not a messenger. I myself will take you out of Egypt. To get a Jew out of Egypt, only the essence of God can do that. Only Hashem, who is completely beyond all limitations, all physical and all spiritual limitations, only He has the ability to, to take us out of Egypt. Only He can, can come to a Jew in the physical place of Egypt and bring him from Egypt to Mount Sinai to receive the Torah. Only, that, that, that's something which is not... There's no, there's no parallel for that. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no possibility for that. In, in, the, in his stalshos, in the spiritual cosmos. So what Moshe then told the angels was, the Torah, what the Torah is about, is the expression of God's essence. That's what the Torah is about. As I mentioned before, that Anoichi stands in the word, I, my soul, I wrote and gave. So in order to get the Torah, to get the essence of Torah, you have to be, the Torah is about, about lifting a Jew out of Egypt to connect to God. If, 
if the person is in Egypt, the person has parents, the person lives, lives among nations, and he has and he's a challenges of serving other gods or other or other things that he's attracted to, that he shouldn't be attracted to, and he defies those things and he does the right thing anyways. There you see the essence of God. There you see the power of Hashem, and that's why. And that's why the name of God for the uh, giving the Torah is Anochi. It's an Egyptian word. When a person is is in the evolved in the physical world with things that that it seems are so low and so similar to uh, the unholy, and yet in those items in his life, those personal intimate moments, he still maintains holiness and purity, even in those in those private intimate moments. That is an expression of God's essence. There you see Hashem's truth. There you see the essence of God. It's only the essence of God that can confer, kadush, confer holiness on the erva, on the parts of our life which seem that are so unholy, which are so, un, which are so not pure. That is where you see the essence of Hashem. Therefore, Hashem specifically used the word which expresses the opposite of holiness, a language which expresses the opposite of holiness. Because Hashem is saying to us, do you know how to connect to my essence? The way to connect to my essence is not when you're learning Torah and doing mitzvahs only, but specifically when you bring holiness into those parts of your life which seem unholy, when you eat and when you drink, and you all those things which seem to be not holy, and yet you connect to me then, then you connect to my essence. To go out of Egypt, to bring holiness into the place of Egypt, and to, and to, that, 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 that touches God's essence. And that's why the Talmud says, as the, the King Solomon says, in all your ways you should know him. The Talmud says this is a small idea, a small it encapsulates all of Torah. That sentence, in all your ways you should know him, all your ways you should know him, that encapsulates all Torah. Why? Because what is that sentence talking about? It's talking about you being in the world, and you being involved in physical things, and in all, all corners of the world, all Egyptian kind of moments, it would seem. And yet, the Abisher says, I'm giving you the Torah, and I'm giving you the ability to bring holiness to everything in your life, and, and, and that everything in your life has purpose and meaning, and, yet, and you have the ability, wherever you are, to connect to that, that comes from the essence of God. And that's how you connect to the essence of God, specifically by, in all your ways, knowing Hashem. You connect to Hashem by learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, that's true. But where do you see that your whole being is one with God? Where do you see that it's, that, that it's your eye, that in, even your private, personal things that, that aren't officially part of the, the rule book? It's your ways. That's where you see a connection of essence to essence. That's why... Uh, Hashem gave us the Torah with this Egyptian language to tell us that in, in the things in your life which seem that they're like they're not holy, they're nothing to do with holiness. You bring the you bring sanctity to them. You're connecting the essence of a God and the essence of and that 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 indicates that there's a bond between you and Hashem, between the essence of who you are and the essence of what the Torah is about, the essence of of Hashem. That's what I wanted to share today. Any questions or comments? I'm sorry, I'm confused. Yeah. Erba is a is a term for the foreskin that is cut off from the breast. The whole organ. The whole organ. Yeah. Any other questions, comments? All right. Takabaruch. I would say you're.